We're having fun with it tonight because the Bucks are champions of the National Basketball Association for the first time in a half century. 105-98, the final score tonight. Just going through the PellaWI.com talk and text line. This is from Eric in Sussex. Thank you, Scott Walker and Tom Barrett. for Oh, he's bipartisan. Thank you, Scott Walker and Tom Barrett, for keeping the Bucks in Milwaukee. You heard some of that in the last montage. And I, when I was going through the full story of the Milwaukee Bucks over the course of the last almost decade, not quite decade, but when the conversation began in earnest to replace the Bradley Center, there were a lot of fans because we're frugal Milwaukeeans, we're frugal Wisconsinites. I don't know. I, I don't say that in a pejorative way. I just say it as a matter of fact because that's what we are. And when I say we, I mean me. I grew up in Waukesha for crying out loud, and that's just how we are. The Bradley Center's not that old. The Bradley Center is perfectly fine. If you just need to do a little tweak here and a little tweak there, it'll be fine. And that's not the case. Bradley Center needed to be replaced. Even though, yes, it was a tremendous gift. From Jane Pettit to keep the team in Milwaukee when she announced it in 1985. And it stood for 30 years. And it kept the Bucks here for 30 years. It kept, and, and granted, the Bucks were not good in the Bradley Center era. Here's a statistic that you're probably not going to hear anywhere else. In the 30 years that the Milwaukee Bucks played in the Bradley Center, they won 16 games. 16 playoff games, I should say. 16 playoff games in the Bradley Center in the 30 years that they played there. Now, last year they were in the bubble. But in the two years, so Vicer Forum's been open for three years, but two postseasons, the Bucks in those two postseasons, have also won 16 playoff games. The Bucks weren't good in the Bradley Center era, but it didn't matter because they were here. It didn't matter because as long as you have a team, you have hope. And as long as you have a team, you have a chance. You have a chance that 14 other teams are going to pass on a generational superstar. You have a chance that that 18-year-old kid who grew up hustling on the streets of Athens is going to have a growth spurt, and he's going to have the mindset of being the hardest-working athlete that I've ever been around in my 30 years of doing this. I've been around great players. I've been around. I was here when Reggie White played for the Packers. Great player. Brett Favre, Aaron Rodgers. We're a little bit mad at him right now. Might be coming, <laughs> getting even more mad coming up. Great players. Great athletes. I was a. I was there the night that Ray Allen was traded for Stephon Marbury in that draft night trade. I was at the Bradley Center that night. They had a draft night party there. And I loved that deal. I didn't want Stephon Marbury here. I wanted Ray Allen. I thought Ray Allen was going to be that generational superstar. And he was until the Bucks gave him away for a 20-game rental of Gary Payton, a bag of basketballs, and a McDonald's Happy Meal. This has been a long time in coming. But the one element that the Bucks were missing was luck. They had drafted projects before. I mentioned a couple of them at the beginning of the, sh- uh, beginning of the show. Ejian Leon was a project. Joe Alexander was a project that you hoped, you hoped that they were going to develop into something spectacular. Giannis did. He fulfilled that promise. 
And even when the Bucks won 15 games, there was a, a light at the end of the tunnel. The light at the end of the tunnel was that ping-pong party that many of us were at. Oh, they're going to get the number two pick. Number one pick would be great, but if you get the, at least the number two pick, you can bring in Jabari Parker. And I know Jabari had the injury issues. And we'll never know how good of a player that he could have possibly been if he didn't have the back-to-back almost torn ACLs. feel sorry for him. I feel bad for him. But Jabari Parker was supposed to be that second I don't like the term terminology using Batman to Robin, but it seems like it's been used a lot. That was supposed to be Jabari Parker. It wasn't supposed to be the throw-in from the Brandon Jennings trade. It was Brandon Jennings for Brandon Knight, and oh, here's this second-round draft pick from a couple of years ago that the Pistons didn't really have much use for, that they just kind of threw in to make the salaries match. And he turns out to be someone who at some point in time is going to have his number 22 hanging from the rafters of the Bradley Center, or at the at Fiserv Forum. It was a video that was circling the last 24 hours or so, and it was when Giannis, it was the day that Giannis was introduced to the Milwaukee media. I was at the Bradley Center that day. Giannis took his parents, his, his mom and his now-deceased father, into the seating bowl of the Bradley Center, And he's pointing up to the rafters. These are some of the greatest players that played of all time in this sport. Oscar Robertson, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Maybe someday in 15 or 20 years, maybe I'll have my name and my number hanging from the rafters. That is assured. And the guy that I kind of feel sorry for in all of this is sort of Ray Allen because Ray Allen... Until Giannis got drafted and turned into the superstar that he has turned into, Ray Allen should have had his number 34 retired. Maybe they could do something. Do- I mean, Ray Allen's in the Hall of Fame. Ray Allen loved playing here until the Bucks gave him away. But that was what, if you're a Bucks fan, number one, that's probably why you're listening to this show right now. But if you're a Bucks fan, this is what you've lived through. You lived through 2001 where Scott Williams was suspended for Game 7 in the Eastern Conference Finals for that forearm shiver that probably shouldn't have been a suspension on uh, Allen Iverson in the lane. You lived through the thought process that was so pervasive in the NBA for so long that tiny little pissant Milwaukee should never be able to advance in the playoffs. The Knicks should. The Lakers should. Should. The Bulls with Michael Jordan? Absolutely. Milwaukee? Come on. Uh, a couple of other talk and uh, text lines coming in on the Pella, WI.com talk and text line 414-799-1973. Uh, Joe from Kewaskum. Doug, like the 42 pounds in eight years for number 34 that he gained? Yeah. I mean, I... I I tweeted out a picture tonight. You can follow me on Twitter or find me on Twitter. Follow me if you'd like. Come for the content. Stay for the jokes. Just very simply at Doug Russell. But I tweeted out a picture earlier today. Uh, I guess it would be yesterday by now. But I tweeted out a picture of Giannis on that day that we were talking about in 2013, the day that he was introduced to the Milwaukee media. He looks like a baby. He looks like he's someone who's 12 years old. Not 12. He was 18 at the time. But then he just kept developing and going into the weight room and working harder again than any other athlete 
that I've ever been around. And I mentioned a few of the great athletes that I have covered over the course of my career. Brett Favre, Aaron Rodgers, Reggie White. Giannis works harder than any of them. And that's not a knock on their work ethic at all. I think if you're going to be a Hall of Fame caliber player, you're probably a pretty damn hard worker. But this guy takes it to another level that I've never seen. So, yeah, he did gain 42 pounds from the time that he was drafted to the time that he became an NBA champion. Uh, Brian writes in, is this Armin's Manchas? No, it was mine. I put that one together. Uh, I, I keep audio from everything. And just going through it, there was so much that I wanted to put in to the montage, and it wound up being five minutes. I've got another one that's a minute and a half. Um, we'll play a couple of them. I've got uh, the national media bagging on Giannis and begging him to go somewhere other than Milwaukee. So, yeah, that's why I'm playing some of this stuff tonight, because it just goes to show how far the Bucks have come and the obstacles from the outside that this team has had to deal with. Uh, Matt from Chippewa Falls writes in, Doug, we're popping champagne in Chippewa Falls tonight. This is it. This is the top of the Wisconsin sports fans mountain. Euphoria. This is it. Bucks and six for the culture. So happy right now. That's Matt and Kelsey in Chippewa Falls. And this is for, you know, this is for the Matt in Chippewa Falls. This is for Matt and Kelsey. This is for Brian. This is from Eric in Sussex. Writing in to thank Scott Walker and Tom Be- and Tom Barrett. If you're listening to this show right now, this is for you because I don't know how many other fan bases have gone through the mountains of levels of crap that we've all had to go through over the course of our Bucks fandom. I mean, I know it's kind of like a pressure release valve. I liken it to, and certainly there was some of this a few years ago when the Cavaliers won their first ever. NBA championship with LeBron James. And they had been there before, but they hadn't, you know, gotten over that hump. They hadn't gotten to the finals and closed it out. And I think that those fans are probably some of the only fans that can really truly understand what we as Milwaukee sports fans are going through. Because Yes, the Packers have won a couple of Super Bowls in my lifetime, and I've been blessed to cover those two Super Bowls, Super Bowl 31 and Super Bowl 45. But that's a state thing, and the Packers are an entirely different animal. The, the Packers are a team that has a worldwide following. You, I mean, celebrities have always loved the Packers, right? The Bucks fandom thing, that's new. When Sheryl Crow, who... I mean, Cheryl Crow's a great singer, don't get me wrong. But I, I don't remember, when was the last top 40 hit she had? I don't know, it's been a few years. Still a great singer, don't want to take anything away from her career because she's fantastic. But when, oh my God, Cheryl Crow is a Bucks fan? We all jumped on that because who's a Bucks? Who, who's a Bucks fan? You understand the Packers thing because it's just a completely different animal. But the Bucks, again, Professional sports Siberia for the better part of 30 years. Uh, let's see. From the 262, dudes, when's the parade? Is it Thursday? Uh, I believe it is Thursday, yes. Uh, let's see. From the 920, Green Bay is wild right now, almost like a Super Bowl win. Bars are packed and people are flooded the streets in the Titletown District. That's awesome. I love that. I love that Green Bay, a city that... Again, that's a sports mecca 
if you're a true sports fan, no matter where you live in the world, if you're a, if you're a football fan, if you're a true sports fan, you make the pilgrimage to Lambeau Field. Yeah, nobody ever made a pilgrimage to the Bradley Center. You want them to make the pilgrimage to Pfizer Forum to see this incredible team. Kurt in Minneapolis writes, that did not suck, boys. No, it did not. Uh, let's see. Brian writes in, so happy for Ted, the game in the city of Milwaukee. Here, here. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> Joe and Kiwaskin has been texting in a lot. Let's see. I'm just going to read a few of them because he's – hi, Joe. Nice to have you out there. Uh, let's see. Brass balls no more. We are champions. Parade Thursday, baby. Mr. Alphabet. The guy turned man. <laughs> Thank you, Joe. All right. Uh, let's hear from the head coach of your Milwaukee Bucks. This is a guy, by the way, who has been so maligned for so... I mean, if the Bucks, And I don't think they would have. Mark Lasry came out and refuted the reports that Mike Budenholzer was going to be fired if the Bucks didn't win the NBA Finals. If the Bucks would have lost the NBA Finals and Mike Budenholzer would have been fired, the Milwaukee Bucks would be the laughing stock of the NBA. You don't fire a coach who just got you to the Finals. There are a lot of Mike Budenholzer haters out there. But this team took that incremental step that they, you know, in his first year, now this is year three, in his first year they got to the Eastern Conference Finals, lost in six games to the Toronto Raptors. That was an incremental step because it was also the first time that they had gotten out of the first round of the playoffs since 2001. And then the next year was the big setback in the bubble. The Bucs were never right in the bubble. It was just, it was, it was a weird situation. They didn't play well, and they got bounced in the second round and really weren't competitive in a gentleman's sweep to the Miami Heat. And Miami, hey, give them credit. They got hot at the right time, no pun intended, and they wound up going to the NBA Finals, losing last year to the Lakers in the Finals. But nobody thought that the Heat were going to have the run that they had a year ago. And the Bucks kind of got caught up in that. But then the big questions remained. Well, is this ever going to happen? Is this ever going to happen? It took Michael Jordan seven years to win his first NBA championship. It took LeBron James nine years to win his first NBA championship. Giannis is right on that track of Jordan and LeBron. Am I putting him in, you know, on that same shelf right now? I can't do that because right now we're looking at one. And I'm not going to get ahead of myself. I know everybody's like, let's do it again next year. Enjoy this one. Revel in this one. Enjoy the parade coming up on Thursday. When next season rolls around, you can talk about next season. But I tell you what, the Bucks are no longer the team that uh, they, they have good regular seasons, but they can't get it done in the postseason. You can't say that about this team anymore because it's not true anymore. This is a team that took incremental steps. They have a superstar that took incremental steps, and now he's starting to, to rack up the hardware, right? Two MVPs, defensive player of the year, earlier in his career, most improved player of the year. Um, if his team would have won the NBA All-Star Game two years ago in Chicago, he would have won NBA MVP, or MV, uh, All-Star Game MVP. He did win it this, this past year in Atlanta. His trophy case is getting quite full. Right now. But Mike Budenholzer is also a two-time NBA coach of the year, and it's about damn time people respect that. 
And now Mike Budenholzer, he's won a couple of rings, four of them, as an assistant coach with the San Antonio Spurs, now for the first time as an NBA head coach, Mike Budenholzer has led a team to the championship. I mean, when you started this year, however many, 14 new players, um, changed the offense, did a lot of things defensively, maybe out of your comfort zone a little bit. I'm not sure, but as you sit here and that, that clock winds down, um, I guess, can you speak to just how you feel about that, about the effort you and your staff, your team, you know, put in to get to, to get here? Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely will answer that question. I'll always just, again, take a chance to or take a second to acknowledge the Phoenix Suns, um, their players, amazing players led by Devin Booker and Chris Paul, their whole roster, uh, amazing coach, Imani Williams, the entire organization. Um, so much respect for them as competitors. Uh, so I just, I, I have so much respect for Monty and his team. Um, you know, I think it's just a credit to the players. You know, we've, we've been pushing, we've been trying to get better. Um, the players embrace everything. They're amazingly coachable. Um, they just take it and soak it in and, uh, and they make the best of it. Um, they've done that, um, you know, from day one this year. Um, you know, so I'm just, I'm happy for the players. I'm impressed by them. Uh, Every day. Eric, over here. Hey, bud. Um, if, for you, as you've kind of tried to put this puzzle together, I mean, this is a three-year process of, all right, first, let's install all the stuff that we want to do. Let's try to tweak it. And then, I mean, let's really make some changes. Kind of what does that process feel like to you uh, of that constant tinkering and tweaking to get to this spot? Yeah, I mean, it's basketball, it's, it's, it's players, it's coaching. Um, the game is always evolving, always changing. We've been close and we just keep pushing. We keep trying to get better. Uh, the players, you know, um, you know that, that's just one of our mantras is to get better. And I think the entire organization embraces it. What John Horse has done to put together a team. Um, you know, I just, he's the greatest GM in the league. I, you know, I'm a little bit biased, but to be his partner, for him to go out and get Drew Holiday to – to have the guts to make that, to, to recruit guys, to get, you know, PJ Tucker in a mid season, Bobby Portis in the off season, stick with Chris and Giannis and Brooke and Pat and these guys, and you just go all up and down the roster. John's done an amazing job and ownership, you know, Mark Lazary, Wes Edens, Jamie Dine and Mike Festo, those guys, they give us what we need. And we just kind of keep pushing. We try and get better coaches, players. And, um, you know, here we are tonight. Special your tenure you haven't been afraid to use the word love with your team and just kind of your coaches and everyone there's two hugs i'd like to know about um <laughs> you one... won't get to know about them but go ahead <laughs> try uh Darwin, uh just lifting you up into the air i think the second time that he's gotten a chance to do that uh and then you Giannis, and chris just kind of getting to have a moment together and whether or not you want to tell me about the hug just the partnership with you yeah and what that's been yeah no i mean darvin and the coaches um You know, Dar Darwin's been with me since the first day I was a head coach. Um, some of these guys have been with me for seven years and then have new guys that have come in. And those coaches, uh, I was, they do all the work um, every day, what they do uh, before practice, in the coaches' meetings, um, ideas, thoughts, concepts. Um, I, I love those guys, no doubt about it. Um, the staff, I, I think – it's part of what makes, uh, you know, coaching special is having uh, assistant coaches and the staff that 
you can laugh with, you can cry with, you can work with, you can um, debate with or, or fight. Sometimes we fight. Um, and then Giannis and Chris, you know, it's just, I think, special for, um, you know, for me to get the opportunity to coach those two guys, um, the leadership that they've shown um, really from day one, from having breakfast together. And um, you could just see their, their desire to be great, um, their desire to push this organization to where we are tonight. Um, you know, I just to, to embrace those guys and, and I love them. I love the players. I love the roster. I love the team. Um, I'm incredibly fortunate to be where I am and just be a small part of what's happening tonight. Sean. Uh, but uh, Giannis's game, uh, particularly from the free throw line defensively, have you run out of things to uh, say about him? Yeah, I might just say, come on up, take over. I don't want to do any more media. Do my thing. This is this is not my. Th- no it's it's hard to find you know more words to describe what Giannis does but the way he made his free throws the way he did everything stepped up the poise the confidence the leadership yep he's been working on we say we want Giannis to get to the free throw line we believed we talk about you know we talked about it this past summer uh to win a championship you got to make free throws you got to make shots and he's made shots all throughout the playoffs he's made free throws all throughout the playoffs um, six block shots, I think, however many points. He's, he's just, he's off the charts. He's the MVP of the NBA Finals. And But also, when you look at this series, was there any time when it probably swung in your favor, or was it just this game? No, I mean, you just got every game takes on its own personality, but to come home and win game three, when you're down 2-0, you got to win the third and to win the fourth and, um, you know, go to Phoenix and win on the road, you know, I think set us up for tonight to close it out here at home in front of our fans, so. Um, you know, every game is big when you get to this stage. Uh, Tim in the front. Uh, a little bit more about Giannis. In the, uh, you guys are down seven at halftime. He comes out in the third quarter, has 20 points in the third quarter, and really kind of single-handedly, aggressively changed the game. Well, was there any conversation at halftime about kind of trying to set a different tone in the third quarter, and how important was that for him to kind of come out and really flip the game like that? Immediately? Yeah, I mean, mostly halftime, we're talking about defense. We're trying to figure out how we, you know, we have 47 points against us and we think we can be better. And, but I think, you know, he embraces us being great defensively, Giannis does, the whole team. Um, and when we get stops and we get out and run and, and, and get Giannis in space, get our team in space, um, you know, I think he's, he's special. And he was able to put his stamp on the game in the third quarter, flip the score, and, uh, and then some big plays in the fourth quarter, big free throws big blocks. Um, yeah, you know, he's, it's hard to keep finding words for Giannis. With the 15th pick in the 2013 NBA draft, the Milwaukee Bucks select Giannis Adetokounmpo. No, I'm very excited to get drafted at number 15 of the first, first round. You know? And I will give my I will give 100% for the team and when the coach called me to play I will give everything to the court, you know. Today Giannis Adetokounmpo professes no love for bright lights in big cities. He's made Milwaukee his home and he's content being a big presence in a small city. I think a guy like me, low profile guy, is better being in Milwaukee. You think you're low profile? Yeah. You want to be low profile. Always. The 2019 Kia NBA Most Valuable Valuable Player goes to Giannis Satetokounmpo. Now Booker with Tucker on him. Throws it up for Aiden. Shot blocked by Antetokounmpo. 
What a block from Giannis. Here's Booker on top against Tucker. Free throw line into the lane. Jump stop. Holiday rips it away. What a steal for Drew Holiday. 15 seconds left to Giannis for the flush with 13 seconds to go. I mean, you're 26 years old, and you know I've covered plenty of players who didn't seem like they figured the ego part out until their 30s. I mean, who taught you about what it, why that's important, and, and to handle it that way? I think I think I think uh, I'll say life. Usually, let me tell you this. Usually, when uh, from my experience, right? Like when I think about like, oh yeah, I'm, I did this. I you know, I'm so great. I had uh, 30, I had 25, 10 and 10, or whatever the case might be. Because right. you're going to think about that. Oh, we won this and that. Usually the next day, you're going to suck. Right. You know, uh, <laughs> simple as that. You Like the next few days, you're going to be terrible. And uh, I figured out like a mindset to have that like when you focus on the past, that's your ego. I did this. You know, um, we were able to you know, um, beat this team for all. We, we did. The, I did this in the past. I won that in the past. Right. And when I focus in the future, it's my pride. Like, yeah, next game, game five, I do this and this and this. Right. You know, I'm going down. That's your pride talking. Like, you, it doesn't happen. Like, you're right here. And um, I kind of, like, try to focus in the, you know, in the moment, in the present. And that's humility. That's being humble. That's not setting no expectation. That's going out there and enjoying the game competing at a high level. And uh, I think I've had people throughout my life that helped me with that. But that's a skill that I've tried to, like, kind of, um, um, how you say, kind of, like, perfect it. Master it. Uh, yeah, master it. And uh, it's been working so far. Yeah. So I'm, I'm not going to stop. Two, one, he hits it. It's over! It's over! The Milwaukee Bucks are champions of the world! Back to the world Bucks and Sits always. That's, that's for the culture. This is Milwaukee's franchise for Milwaukee. When you first purchased the Bucks, you imagined a day like this. It's a perfect day weather-wise, but it's a, a perfect day for really the city and the franchise. You know, we did imagine this day. You know, we uh, we talked about it right after we had made the commitment to buy the team about, you know, do we need a backup plan? And I said, we don't need a backup plan because there is no backup plan. We're going to get this done. And I had a lot of conviction it was the right thing to do. Um, and, you know, people really made all the accommodations, people compromised, and here we are. So no more groundbreakings in June, just trophy ceremonies in June. That's what we want. We want to be playing uh, in June. That's, you know, hashtag let's play in June. I think that's going to be our new tagline here, not just in the distant future. Over the course of the next five, ten years, bring a championship to this city. We've all been waiting for this for a long time. And to be a part of it, just to touch it on any tangential level, I think has to be special for anyone. And then there's a guy like Chris Middleton, who has been so maligned by so many, whether it is a frustrated Bucks fan, whether it's the national media taking pot shots at him. Um, I will tell you this. They don't just give away spots on NBA All-Star Game rosters. You have to earn those. It's the most, of all the professional sports, Major League Baseball, NFL, uh, NHL, MLS, you name it. The one that is the most coveted because it equals respect is the NBA All-Star Game. And 
in the last couple of years since they went to the Elam ending, it, I think the NBA All-Star Game has been much, much better because the NBA All-Star Game for a while was dreadful basketball. And then they changed it and they made it maybe the best All-Star Game right now as well. Chris Middleton has gone to two of them. That is not a mistake. Chris Middleton at times has taken over games. Didn't need to tonight, and he didn't tonight. Giannis did because the Bucks went into a second quarter funk where they got outscored 31-13 to and saw their early 13-point lead fritter away. The Bucks trailed by five at halftime after leading by 13 after one quarter. It was game five in reverse, or so we had all feared. And then the second half was close the whole way, but Chris Middleton came up with some big shots. Only made one of the four three-pointers that he hit tonight. Did hit six of his 13 shots. Finished with 17 points. Came down with five rebounds. Chris Middleton, though, has been doing this at an all-star level for several years now. And now he, Chris Middleton, can call himself an NBA champion as well as a two-time All-Star. Congratulations, Chris. Thanks. Um, I mean, uh, you know where I'm going. Like, you and Yas have been together forever. Um, I'm curious. There was, after it was a hug with you, Giannis, and then Bud, what was it like to have Bud kind of join your group, right? Like you're already five years into knowing Giannis. You two are together and then Bud comes in and now three years later, you guys have gotten there. It feels like you guys have gone through some stuff. You couldn't, you couldn't shoot as much from the mid range. You had to go to the rim, like all those things kind of like along the way, what was that process like? Uh, It was all worth it for sure. I mean, um, us challenging each other. Um, him challenging me to be better in a lot of different ways. Um, me being stubborn in some ways. Um, but the thing I like, he challenged us all. Um, you know, I don't think it's probably correct, but we challenged him a little bit in certain ways uh, to help us. But for the main part, he challenged us every day um, to be leaders, um, to fight through adversity, um, to change our games a little bit. Um, like I said, it's, it's all worth it. I've told you what people say about you and you tell me, I don't, I don't care. I'm, I'm just going to do my thing. Uh, what do you kind of say to the naysayers that said you one, you weren't good enough and your team wasn't good enough. And now you're here with, as an NBA champion. Man, I still don't care about what those other people say. Um, at the end of the day, we knew what we need to do in this locker room and our organization. And, uh, you know, it seemed like it took forever, um, but it's not easy to get to this point to get to this stage. Um, but we're able to get it. Also, want to say shout out to the Phoenix Suns, man. They're a great organization. Monty Williams came, came in there and talked to us for a quick second. Um, those guys are great over there. They challenged us. They were great. Um, they knocked us in the mouth the first two games. But I love the way we responded. We didn't give up on ourselves. Um, our home crowd was amazing. Um, this whole playoff run, this whole season, um, even when they didn't have us, when we didn't have them um, at the beginning of the season. But to have them here at this point, man. Um, it's amazing. I hope they enjoyed it just like we are right now. It's in the middle. Hey, Chris, I know you don't like to necessarily reflect on your journey, but second round pick where you didn't play a whole lot your rookie year, then you get traded here. You probably could have came out your freshman year of college, but you stayed. Do you ever think that all these things sort of happen and come together for a reason for the greater good? No, for sure. Um, you know, not every path or every player um coming out is perfect um you know it's tough i mean not 
to to be in the league is tough to be 450 players, 500 maybe, G League, all those players. Um, but to stick with it, um, to have faith and believe in yourself at all times, even though when it's not going your way, uh, to continue to keep working. Um, that's what it's all about. That's what every player in this in this league does. Um, and even around the world, you keep working, you keep believing in yourself to get to this point. Steve? Y'all had that tough second quarter. What was said in the locker room? What was the attitude like at halftime for y'all? Obviously, y'all came back right out in the third, fourth quarter and played a lot better. Just what was kind of said there in the halftime? Day? Uh, we we got stagnant a little bit. Um, you know, halftime, um, we made saw what we were doing wrong, basically. But in the second half, it was all Giannis. I'm not going to lie. Um, you know, he got the ball. He dominated. He didn't settle. Uh, he forced his way to the rim, forced his way to the free throw line. He held us down for a majority of that second half in the game. Jim, the front. Uh, Chris, um, what, you know, during this run-up, I mean, Giannis talked a lot about you and, and what you meant to him. And he mentioned that Toronto series and what you went through um, and then how that kind of opened his eyes to you and you were the guy then for him, you know, to do this with. I, I'm guess, you know, when did you realize he was the guy for you? I guess did, you know. Did you have oh, that yeah. kind of turning point like he did, or no? I mean, uh, we had we formed a bond, um, my brother, brotherhood. Since that first year we've been together, we we struggled, we struggled together. Um, but we both saw in each other. There was no um, give up. It was all motivation to be better, not be embarrassed. Um, year after year, we challenged each other to be better, um, challenged each other to be better leaders, um, better teammates. Um, yeah, I mean. Yeah. yeah. Sean, next row. Uh, Chris, uh, from the time you guys were down 0-2 to now, what did you learn about yourself and what did you learn about your teammates? We were down 0-2 against Brooklyn. Um, and, you know, we came together as a group. Um, within our film session, we talked it out. We all wanted to be on the same page, realize how we needed to play, what we needed to do. And it was the same thing in the series. We never got down. I mean, we're still playing. We still have a chance. That's the way we felt. No matter if we were down in the game, no matter if we were down in the series, it didn't matter. We knew each time we took the court, we had a chance to win. Um, and we have everybody in the locker room and the organization that believes in, you know, that is never going to give up until it's completely over. Um, that's who you want to play with, guys that are going to fight to the end. And Chris, also, you talked about your relationship with Giannis. Uh, has it been an easy process to play with a player like that, or did it have its challenges? No, nah, it's easy. When you see a guy that wants to compete, that wants to work, that wants to win, that's all you want as a teammate. Nobody's perfect. Everybody's going to make mistakes. Um, I made my share of mine. I'm sure he's made his, his share of his, but at the end of the day, we're always trying to win. Um, and like, like I said, I mean, him, whoever, um, everybody that came into our locker room, our organization, um, we want them to work no matter what, if they're playing, if they're not, to continue to try to get better because we knew that's the only way to get to this point is to to work your to work to be better as as a person be and work to be better as a team. Lori in the front. This is obviously your championship, but for the city as well, I feel like you have a really unique perspective, you and Giannis, because you were here when things were tough. What does that mean for you? I don't know if you identify as a Milwaukeean at all, or if you <laughs> still consider yourself South Carolina, and yeah. also. You know, I'll always think of you too. You handed Giannis that pen to sign the Supermax. Mm -hmm. You kind of knew you were building something here and that you needed to do it together. So what does it just mean for the two of you and then for this city? For the city, I'm sure it means everything. I mean, um, 
they seen the work that we've we put out over the years for them um, to get to this point, to having, you know, trying to sell, literally trying to sell tickets to people to come to the game, sure it's on to now having it packed out and having, I think, 65,000 people outside the arena tonight. Um, it's an amazing transformation. Um, but it's not just me and Giannis, it's the whole organization. They did a great job of, you know, um, building things around this city, um, helping the communities around here, um, and then getting them to come and cheer us on. Um, that was our motivation for sure. Um, as far as me and Giannis, I forgot the second part of your question. That's okay. I'm sorry. You're, You're fine. Thank you. Last two on the right and in the back. In the second quarter, uh, as a team, you took a lot of mid-range jumpers uh, weren't getting to the rim as much. Was there anything strategically that changed in the second half or was that just, you know, getting Giannis the ball and he put his head down and got to the rim? That was just us. Um, you know, we credit Suns defense. I mean, they were tough. They switched a lot. They blitzed me a lot. Um, and they forced it to tough, you know, isolations or tough jumpers. Um, in the second half, we, we told ourselves we had to come out and play like we did the first quarter, play downhill, attack, don't settle. Um, that was paying me it, just don't settle. And Giannis was a big part of that in that third quarter, just coming out and, you know, pinning his head down to get into the rim. Last question in the back. Hi, Chris. Um, you guys had been, you know, pretty much the best team in the league regular season-wise for the last couple of years, close to a 71 pace before, uh, before the bubble was necessary last year. And then it seemed like this year you guys came in knowing that you would want to tweak things to just try to get over that hump. And it seemed like there were some rough patches there. I think it was 16 and 13 to start the year. How did kind of going through that and knowing that there were going to be some lumps there at the beginning, did that prepare you guys for, you know, to potentially be behind in series to just kind of overcome certain things to get to where you are now? Uh, you know, as a whole, we used a lot of our failures as experience. Um, we've been in a lot of situations in our past years here. Then at the beginning of the year, it was just we had a new team, a lot of new rotation guys. Um, different guys step into the starting lineup. Um, and we knew it was going to be challenging, but, you know, we all said it was going to be worth it to to learn, um, you know, find out how to adjust and figure out what we need to do in game um, to, to to win. We knew it was wasn't always going to be pretty. We knew we were going <laughs> to... We knew we were going to have to win different styles of ball games, but, you know, that's the time, type of team you want to be, um, you know, to throw different guys out there, different lineups out there, um, because you can't win the same way at this level. Thank you. All right, there you have it. Uh, Chris Middleton after tonight's ball game, And, again, he's a guy who's been maligned a lot by the national media, by some Bucks fans as well. Is he ever going to be – someone who can help carry this team to a championship? Well, that, th- those questions have, have certainly been answered. Uh, Chris Middleton tonight, he didn't light up the scoreboard, but he has in the past. Chris Middleton is a guy who has come up with some huge shots for this team throughout the entire course of the playoffs. He can light it up. He, he goes in streaks sometimes. But where would this team be without Chris Middleton and Giannis Edetokounmpo? And Giannis talked about how important Chris Middleton was to him in his post-game news conference. We're going to hear from Giannis in case you missed it. He was at the podium a couple of hours ago as well. We'll play back uh, his news conference in its entirety coming up in just a couple of minutes as well. But another note on Giannis. The 50 points is going to be a footnote. It's going to be remembered forever, certainly. But again, what I was talking about before, His trophy case is getting full, (laughs) which is a good problem to have. 
He's won now the finals MVP, the all-star game MVP, two league MVPs. He's now got a ring, most improved player, defensive player of the year. And he's done it all here in Milwaukee. And I think that there are a lot of people around the country in the national media that wish that that wasn't the case. Because up until the time that he signed the Supermax contract extension, this was a cottage industry among the national media. Not just ESPN, but also the Colin Cowherds of the world, the Skip Baylesses of the world. Certainly ESPN was a part of it as well. For the last, well, before, I would say at least two years before he signed the Supermax and kind of set this franchise on the next trajectory, what the next step was going to be, without having this loom over his head, because he didn't have to sign the Supermax before the season began. He could have let it linger this entire season and then made the decision. Instead, no, I'm committing myself to the city of Milwaukee. I'm committing myself to this franchise. And it just left everybody around the country absolutely beside themselves because for the last two or three years, all we've been hearing is this. Giannis is gone. Jason Kidd is potentially a preferred candidate. Their belief is is that Giannis, when he was fired in Milwaukee, Giannis was ticked off and they won the league. So by getting him to New York, it potentially gives them a better shot at Giannis. The Celtics, if Danny Ainge ever wants to get off his butt and make a trade, what about Jason Tatum and the Memphis pick? Tatum and a pick for Giannis. The Greek people of the New York City area came out of the woodwork to wait an hour and a half after the game to see him, to take a picture, to, to get an autograph. He is beloved all over the place, but in that community, he could be the king of New York. Does Giannis Antetokounmpo take the Supermax from Milwaukee? Nah, fam, it's about time for him to move on. You know, he's been paid already. I don't think it's about the money. Um, if, if, if I had a wish list put together, my, the number one on my wish list is uh, Golden State trades that second overall pick and something else. And Draymond Green, possibly, and you see him with the Warriors. Uh, you, you want the Warriors to come out and compete. You know, everybody was, we don't like super teams. We don't like super teams. Well, guess what? Basketball was born without the super teams, okay? I would like to see Giannis out to the Cupo with the Warriors. Giannis is a star. We know Milwaukee does not attract free agents. Here's a rumor, and I believe it to be true. The Warriors acquired Andrew Wiggins for one reason, to get Giannis. No one's goals are more in the future. Then the New York Knicks. After missing out on KD and Kyrie, their focus may be shifting to the reigning MVP. Giannis Antetokounmpo set to be a free agent in 2021. Giannis, AD, LeBron on the same team. Let's just, okay, let's just imagine that. Imagine how much fun that would be. I'm looking at Miami where he could just go fit in and you got shooters you could place around him. I'm looking at maybe a trade to Golden State or even a trade to Philadelphia. Because if he's a free agent and he wants to go to Philadelphia, he'll be able to push a sign and trade somewhere. And if Philly doesn't win the East this year, they may be ready to go in a different direction. And maybe if you're Milwaukee, you can get Ben Simmons for Giannis 
Brian Windhorst reported that if Giannis chooses to forego his extension and become a free agent next year, AD could sign a one-year deal himself to give the Lakers salary flexibility to lure the back-to-back MVP to join up with Davis and LeBron in L.A. If I'm Giannis, I think there are better basketball options for him. And if you could have someone stretching the floor like Stephen Clay, maybe, and Giannis working the insides and then them, them teaching and preaching to Giannis how to play and how to win and how to be successful, I think that is intriguing. And LeBron and the Lakers would have to watch out for if that, if that matchup came to fruition. The Warriors have always been the big threat to, mm-hmm. to go after Giannis. Giannis absolutely 100% is leaving. I do not doubt this is in the works. LeBron James needs AD and Giannis to catch Michael Jordan. That's what's about to happen. I I do not doubt it one second. NBA executive anonymously told The Athletic he predicts Giannis might be headed to Miami in free agency if they lose the series to the Heat. Max, let's stay with this. What would be the best destination for Giannis if he decides to leave Milwaukee? If Steph Curry and Klay Thompson and Draymond Green and Steve Kerr get Giannis, it's going to be like when Durant was there. Now, he can't do everything Durant can do offensively, but he does some things that Durant doesn't do. Giannis is gone. I'm exhausted by that. That was, let's see, Giannis was supposed to go to Brooklyn, Miami, New York, Golden State, the Lakers, and the Clippers because he couldn't possibly stay here in Milwaukee. Questions? Sean, over on the right. Giannis, um, when you first started playing basketball, did you ever think a moment like this would happen? Man, uh, no, man, no, 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 no. I started, I started playing basketball just to, you know, help, help my family, you know, um, try to get them out of the struggle, you know, the challenges we were facing when we were kids. Uh, but... Man, I never thought, you know, I'm going to be 26 years old, you know, uh, with my team, playing the NBA Finals, just playing. And, like, I was just happy just being a part, like, you know, not even winning, just being a part of this, of this journey, you know. And, um, but I never thought ever when I'll be 26, you know, I'll be sitting in this chair with this right here and this right here. Man, it's been, it's been, uh, we've come a long way. Candace, over here. Giannis, how are you? When thinking about the uh, diaspora of Africa and you think about the country that your your parents came from and uh, what do you think about, do you know what you represent to the continent and what do you think this title, those two trophies mean to uh, the continent? Mm-hmm. I know, obviously I represent, you know, uh, my country, my both countries, Nigeria and Greece. Um, a lot of kids from there um, but not just from Nigeria, from the whole whole Africa, whole Europe. You know, I know that I'm a role model, but like this should be should make every every person, every kid, every, anybody around the world to like believe in their dreams. You know, and no matter like what, whatever you feel when you feel down, when things don't look like it's gonna happen for you, or you might not make it in your career. It might be basketball, it might be anything. Just believe on what you're doing. Keep working. You know, don't let nobody tell you what you can be or what you cannot do. You know, people tell me I can't make free throws. I made my free throws tonight. And I'm a freaking champion. I made them and I'm supposed to make them. You know, but I'm joking. Um, 
actually I'm not, but uh, yeah, just believe, man. Just I hope, I hope, I hope I give people around the world from Africa, from Europe, give them hope, you know, that it can be done. It can be done. Eight years ago, eight and a half years ago, before I came to the league, I didn't know where my next move will come from. You know, my mom was selling stuff in the street. You, like, and now I'm here sitting at the top of the top, you know, and, I, and, and I'm extremely blessed. And that's why I, cannot, I can never get, I'm extremely blessed. If I, if I never have the chance to sit on this table ever again, I'm fine with it. You know, I'm, I'm fine with it. But like, I hope this can give everybody around the world hope and allow them to believe in their dreams. Vince in the middle. Hey, Giannis, um, your journey as a pro. Don't get jealous. Special time with that. You want to have another intimate moment with your, your, um, your journey as a pro, you you play point guard, you came off the bench, you know, you've developed to this point. What does all this mean basically from the moment that you got to the NBA? It's it's been, it's been, it's been, it's been a long journey, man. I've, I've, I've done it all, man. I've done it all. I did anything I could just to, you know, be on the court, just to be in this position. You know, I've, I've, I've not play. I've I've uh, come off the bench. I've uh, when I was 18, I started in the the team. I've uh, went to the front office and tell them to send me to the G League. I want to develop. Like I've done. You know, I've um, I've uh, played point guard. I've only defended slash from the corners and everything. You know, and uh, my fourth year, I was able to lead as a ball hand. Like I've done it all. And uh, tonight it was just a. Uh, that's what I had to do tonight. You know, I had to do a little bit of everything. I had to defend, I had to rebound, I had to block, I had to do a little bit of everything. But people that helped me throughout this journey, man. John Hammond that drafted me and believed in me and believed in my family, brought my family over here, made me feel comfortable, made me feel like I was his son. You know, when I was uh, homesick and I was uh, alone in the hotel. Larry Drew, credit to Larry Drew, Jason Kidd that came to the team and pushed me, told me, not, do not shoot, but okay. You know, I, I develop other parts in my game, you know, get into the rim, shoot the mid-race shot, you know, just be dumb to get to the free throw line. And Coach Bud, you know, Coach Bud believed in me, told me that in order for me to win, in order for me to be great, I have to trust my teammates. You know, I have to trust my team. I have to make the right pass. You know, I cannot be stubborn, you know, and I got to trust the process. You know, and uh, it was a, it was a three-year process, but we, we, we got it done. I want to thank all of these guys. And as I said, I've done it all on the court. Done all of the court, and I'm um, keep I keep going. I can't stop. I can't stop. That's like my personality. I'm not stopping. Just as a quick follow up. Yes. When you yep. resigned your contract, your extension, I'm sure it was with this in mind. <laughs> well, could could you imagine it happening for you the way that it's happened? No, no. man. I, I just, I just, I couldn't. I could. <clears throat> couldn't live you know there was there was a, there was a job that had to be finished you know i felt like the, the bubble did not pay, pay us paid us justice you know uh give credit to miami he played great but he did not pay the justice like everybody was feeling homesick we family oriented team wanted to share families and and uh but you know coming back i was like this is my city you know they, they trust me they believed in me they believed in us. Even when we were like, we were last, the city still was like, 
on our side. And, um, you know, obviously I want, I want to get the job done. You know, uh, they, but that's my stubborn side. Like, it's easy to go somewhere and go and win a championship with somebody else. It's easy. I could go, I, I don't want to put anybody in the spot, but I could go to a super team and, you know, just do my part and win a championship, still one. But this is the hard way to do it, and this is the way. And we did it. Fucking did it. We did it, man. Jim, on the front right. Giannis. Um, you mentioned your teammates. You acknowledge Chris. You, you have said so much about him in this, this run-up here. I don't know if there's anything left to say. But now that you're you, he held that trophy with you up on that stage, and we couldn't quite hear up there. But what, um, when you looked at him, and that you know what I mean, what what went through your head? What <laughs> what else is there to say? I guess about your partnership with Chris. I love Chris to death, man. I love him to death, man. It's crazy, man. But the same thing I said out there that he doesn't realize how much he pushed me to be great. He pushes me to be great. You know, I had a lot of people throughout my career that pushed me to be great and be consistent and be just be dominant, just keep coming, keep working hard. And he's one of those guys, you know, and uh, there was nobody in this world that would rather do this journey than that guy. You know, uh, he's been here since the beginning. You know, he's been here since the day we were fighting for uh, some minutes. And he was yelling to me when we were, <clears throat> I was 18. He was yelling to me to like basketball and all that. We were fighting on the court, you know, we were kids. And now we, in this stage, doing it together. You know, uh, we gotta, we gotta enjoy this moment. Gotta share this moment. Maybe, we, maybe we might not have another moment like this. Who knows? You know, we can't predict the future. But like, we gotta live in the moment, enjoy this moment. I, I hope Chris enjoyed it with his family. And uh, he played amazing throughout the whole playoffs, man. He lead us when I was down. He gave me a chance to come back. Um, but once we're done enjoying this, we got we to gotta get back to work. You know, uh, we got to do it again. That's how, that's how me, me and Chris operate. Real quick, I mean, when you were on stage for the regular season MVPs, you didn't <sighs> want those chants or those calls. Is that a different kind of MVP? And was yeah, that a different yeah. kind of chant? You know what I mean in terms of what this is? I am good. I don't want anybody. <clears throat> I remember the summer after I won my first MVP. It was, I was happy. I was happy with my family, but it was like, at the same time, it was miserable. Like everywhere I went, it was like, hey, MVP. Done. It's over with. You know, it's over with. Done. It's in the past. You got to do it again. And I was able to do it, do it again. This year, I wasn't able to do it. I don't know why. But okay. Uh, but. Uh, this, this is a feeling like this is addicting feeling. Like I love playing in the playoffs. I love playing in the finals. And I love playing with the ball is heavy, you know. And uh, and then this is the, the moments I want. I want to chase more. I want that team to keep build off this, you know. And uh, hopefully we can do it again. Lisa, hi, Giannis. Here, congratulations, oh. Giannis. Uh, back to 2017. Kobe gave you the first challenge, the MVP, and you made it two years after. And in 2019, Kobe said championship, and then two years after, you made it again. What does that mean for you to have someone like Kobe Bryant just start believing you when you were 22 years old and then just keep, keep giving you new challenge and you made it? Yeah, it means a lot. You know, this started like almost like a, like a joke at first. 
you know, like he was, it was like a, I think a Nike ad and he was sending like challenge to players, to Isaiah Thomas, DeMar DeRozan and all that. And I was like, yeah, let me just shoot my shot. You know, kind of like, what's my challenge? And he was like MVP. But at, at first I was like joking. I didn't thought he's going to respond to me. But when he did, he made me believe. Like I'm like, Kobe Bryant thinks I can, I can do this. I can play in the higher level and lead my team and win an MVP. You know, and and I had to do it. You know, I had to work hard. You know, and not necessarily let him down. I had to work hard because people believe that I can do it. You know, and that's that's the thing. Uh, I'm a people pleaser. You know, I don't like letting people down. I like letting like when I resigned with the city of Milwaukee. That's the main reason I resigned because I didn't want to let the people down and think that you know I don't work extremely hard for them, which I do. You know, but be able to accomplish those things in um, this period of of, of time is it's, it's crazy. It's 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 unreal. It's freaking unreal. I can I can't believe it. And as I saw the tear dropped, what were you thinking about when those whole like let all the emotion out? I was like, damn, this is gonna hurt tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm joking. No, uh, well. What were you thinking when you had those tears down? Just, just, just like the whole journey, man. Like the whole journey to, in order for me to be in this position, how much my parents sacrificed. You know, how much my parents sacrificed, man. I, 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 saw, I, I saw that every day. Every day in my life, I saw that, you know. And, and this, is, this is for my mom. She worked extremely hard every day for me to be in this position. She never pressured me to do you know other things. This is for my dad, that he's watching from above and he can he can see. It. And this is for my significant other also. You know that she, she every day she helps me be better, a better person. You know she let me do what I'm supposed to do, and she take care of uh, my son and then my next son. You know and and for and for my brothers. You know because a lot of you like. I I I can I can be stubborn sometimes, you know. Like I can disconnect myself from the world because I want this so bad. Like I wanted this so bad, and I was able to get it. That's why I was, you know, um, tearing up. But like people helped me to be in this position. Like I didn't do it by myself. Like every freaking day, people helped me, you know. And I want to thank my my dad, my mom, my significant other, Mariah, and my brothers and my son. And the people throughout the journey that helped me. Eric, last one here. Sorry. Uh, what do you throw up on the marker board after that? What? What do you throw up on the marker board? Is it zero? Like you got the championship. There's no more game countdown or anything like that. Party. <laughs> this is time to party. No, I'm joking. Um, uh, no, you know what? You know what I want? I'll be serious with you. I don't is my sound cocky. I don't want to be. Uh, I want to develop a time machine that I can go back in time in my rookie year to win the rookie of the year. And if I win the rookie of the year, I've win. I've won it all. And then late in my career, I'm going to win six men of the year too. I'm going to come off the bench. I'm going to tell Mike Bud that I want to come off the bench and do that. So no, but. Uh, this is time to celebrate. This is time to spend some time uh, with my family, just devote myself to them, uh, to my mom, 
to my significant other Mariah, to my son. And then uh, this is going to be a quick turnaround. You know, we, we're going to be back and uh, a lot of people are going to come after us and we have to be ready for that. So we have to be ready. All those years ago. Um, I mean, when you were 19, I think you were at Summer League and you tweeted something about, I'm not leaving Milwaukee until I win a championship. Uh, that is... I'm out now. <laughs> Can I leave now? That's, I mean, that's your call. I want to trade. <laughs> who... who... <laughs> <laughs> no, who who I gotta talk to for the trade? John? Yeah, I, I want the trade. Just thinking of that nineteen-year-old kid, like that's—I mean—that's a statement. I don't even know if you like understood it at that. Point. I didn't understand it. No, I wouldn't make it. I wouldn't make that statement. But that's that's what I believe. I believe, and um, some you know, like how kids, little kids, are very honest. You know, you act like a kid, like a five-year-old kid. Am I getting some pounds? And he's going to respond to, yeah, you're fat. Like, they're brutally honest. And that was me at that point. Like, I was so honest. You know, after the, the summer league and we played four games, five games. Chris, what up, baby? Yeah, up, <laughs> we played four games, five games, and we, like, lost all of them. You know? And I was like, okay. I want to win a championship and walk in. Uh, I'm going to do whatever it takes in order for... For me to win it. And uh we did it. We did it, man. This guy right here. PJ! Hey, PJ! Hey, open the door, please. PJ! PJ! Hey! Sorry, guys. Hey, bring your shoe. This guy, this guy today, he wore a 250,000 pair of shoe. He had real diamonds. I, I promise you. How, how much how much did it cost? Like, yeah. Basically, basically a house in your, in your feet. Tuck, can I get them? Hey, let me get them now. Let me get them, too. You don't wear a size, Tuck. Can I have them? Tuck, can I have them? Hey, guys. Thank you, guys. This was a, a amazing journey. The outcome was great, but even the outcome, it wasn't great. Thank you, guys, for uh, doing your job. It was easy to uh, deal with you guys. What is your goal for your career? I want to be NBA, NBA player. With the 15th pick in the 2013 NBA draft, the Milwaukee Bucks select Giannis Adetokounmpo. Giannis Adetokounmpo. Defensively, his position, I think he's got to be a small forward. And defensively, probably with a lack of strength, he is going to have probably some issues to deal with there, and maybe we try to help him a little bit on the defensive end if he, if he does get on the floor. I had never heard of him, and the one thing I wanted to do in being here as the head coach of the Milwaukee Bucks, I wanted to really dive into the draft and really get a feel for these guys, and I remember just sitting with John, I just was shaking my head, and I said, John, he would not be there at 15. You take a look at uh, Giannis, yeah, I'm still working on how to pronounce his last name, we'll just call him Giannis. Giannis. This guy is long. You cannot do those type of shots against a guy like him. You have to get him off his feet and go around him. Look how long his arms are as far as reaching that shot. I mean, you gotta you gotta get a bird, otherwise that guy is a flying bird that'll catch you. You have to get a bird to go by and then take him to the basket. Again, this young man is only 18 years of age. Please join me in what I see as a grand opening of a new era for the Milwaukee Bucks. 
and welcoming Wes Edens and Mark Glassery to the BMO Harris Bradley Center and to Milwaukee. Over the course of the next five, ten years, bring a championship to this city and try to keep on building and become a part of the community that we have, that you guys have here. Hopefully over the next uh, few months, few years, I'll get to know everybody who's here because we're going to be spending a huge amount of time in this city. The Milwaukee fans deserve a winning team. This is about winning basketball games. It's about winning championships. It's about being part of the community, and we look forward to all those. Mark and Wes have committed understanding how important a new arena is to the future of this franchise and this city have committed to help to fund a new arena with an investment of at least $100 million. The worst thing we could do on a decision like this is to have it happen by default. Um, you know, nobody wants to get blamed or committed or look like they're spending resources irresponsibly and they're right not to. Uh, but also, everybody understands that this is an opportunity and if we lost it, uh, and we're sitting here in 2017 in this hall and you're asking us, how did it happen? You know, team left, we've got a big facility with more deferred maintenance and, and we haven't made a, a commitment. And it's because nobody wanted to put themselves out or even sound like they were open to committing uh, resources. Uh, I think we, all of us here, will have failed. The NBA may well make this choice for this community if this community doesn't make a choice one way or another. This is about competition and being competitive. We need demand generators in this town. is isn't just arena. It is what everybody said, the cultural institutions, the arts, the parks, the schools. It's a piece of the whole puzzle. But you know, if you do a puzzle and there's some pieces missing, it doesn't look exactly right and it's not as attractive. If the uh, the price of saying no is at least $419 million. So if the state does nothing in regards to an arena uh, in the city of Milwaukee, uh, the, the price of no has a cost. And we believe it's at least $419 million. Not only do we want to create a championship caliber team on the court and a championship caliber team off the court, but we really want to invest in the future of this state and specifically the future of this city. Um, and you see through the renderings in these pictures in a state-of-the-art sports and entertainment district that could generate a ripple effect of economic development throughout the state. While we still have some approvals to go, through the city. We're on track to break ground on June 18th. You know, we did imagine this day. You know, we uh, we talked about it right after we had made the commitment to buy the team about, you know, do we need a backup plan? And I said, we don't need a backup plan because there is no backup plan. We're going to get this done. And I had a lot of conviction it was the right thing to do. Um, and, you know, people really made all the accommodations. People compromised and here we are. So no more groundbreakings in June, just trophy ceremonies in June. That's what we want. We want to be playing uh, in June. That's, you know, hashtag let's play in June. I think that's going to be our new tagline here in not too distant future. So the Milwaukee Bucks are headed to the NBA Finals for the first time since back in 1974. The only NBA championship took place in 1971. A team that starred Kareem Abdul. Jafar, then known as Lou Alcindor, Oscar Robertson, Bobby Dandridge, Lucius Allen, John McLaughlin. Cameron Payne with the rebound, and you can put this baby in the old deep freeze. Two seconds, one second, Suns win, and the Suns have taken game two of the NBA Finals over the Milwaukee Bucks. The final score here in Phoenix tonight. The Suns 118, the Milwaukee Bucks 108. It's kind of hard to enjoy the game when you're losing. But we're going to figure it out. We're going to figure it out. We're going to uh, keep, you know, win or lose, still being together. 
Um, and we're going we're gonna to figure out, we're going to figure out ways to uh, put ourselves in a position to win. Now Booker with Tucker on him. Throws it up for Aiton. Shot blocked by Antetokounmpo. What a block from Giannis. Here's Booker on top against Tucker. Free throw line into the lane. Jump stop. Holiday rips it away. What a steal for Drew Holiday. 15 seconds left to Giannis for the flush with 13 seconds to go. With the 15th pick in the 2013 NBA draft, the Milwaukee Bucks select Giannis Adetokounmpo. Over the course of the next five, ten years, bring a championship to this city. This is about winning basketball games. It's about winning championships. Booker who takes a three. No good. Tucker with the rebound. The Suns are not going to foul. It's been a 50-year journey. Wisconsin, we've got a room at the top of the world tonight. The Milwaukee Bucks are 